worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the It's Canon Podcast. That's right. We are back for more Mandalorian goodness on this awesome episode. As always, we are your hosts. I'm Boris, and this week, we are joined by Tyler. hey And Phil. Howdy-doody. Awesome. All right, guys. What an episode we had on Friday. It was arguably one of the most jam-packed episodes in regards to story, in regards to Easter eggs, in regards to, you know, Star Wars Star Wars goodness. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Seeing as it is Mando Monday, we are going to be reviewing all things Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 3, Chapter 11. I know I'm going to screw that up at some point, but I have yet to do it. Yeah, it's an episode called The Heiress, and uh, yeah, you're you're going to hear us wax poetic tones all about it here. That's so right. And for the second. first time, we are joined by a listener of the It's Canon Podcast. So, you know, we are breaking new ground in that sense here on the It's Canon Podcast. I've always said it, but now, you know, here it is. You know, it is true. Um, you know, we are an open show. It, it, it is a show for you guys. It is geek therapy for us. You know, we are one community. We are, you know, and everything is in canon. So, you know, anytime that we can bring a listener to the show, I'll be happy to do so. Um, so today we are joined, um, or we're going to be joined by Andrew Hall, Andy Hall, uh, who is a listener up from The Hammer here in Ontario. Um, and, you know, it was a fantastic chat that we had with him um you know and and phil as always does a great job of running with the show um seeing that he is our resident star wars nerd more so i guess than tyler and i um uh so yeah we have a we have a really good chat coming up anything you guys want to say before we jump right into it uh andy did great um i'm I'm impressed and i'm just gonna say it Tyler can give me a run for my money in Star Wars any day. Ah. <laughs> Both of you can. But I'm just going to... Hats off, guys. Like, Yeah, it, it, you guys make it easy to do all this funness. Aw, look at this love fest here. Fuck you guys. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get some frog action going. All right, so without further ado, here is our Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 3, Chapter 11, Chat.
All right, welcome everybody to the It's Canon Podcast show. We have a special edition for you this week in that we're going to be talking about The Mandalorian. So guess what? It's Mandalorian Monday here, and we've got a special guest with us this week. We've got Andy, one of our listeners. How are you doing, Andy? I'm doing pretty good. Been a good Sunday so far. Awesome. Well, for every there. Uh, I've also am joined by the infamous Tyler. Hey, everybody. I'm doing my best, best Drax impression this week because, as Boris saw, I can't read subtext today. And we also have our commander-in-chief, Boris. Say hi to the people, man. Hello, everyone. Hopefully everyone's doing great on this beautiful Monday. Beautiful Monday. I beautiful what Monday. what going to be like. Beautiful Monday. Oh, I know. Good. I know it's going to be beautiful. Good, because today it is not, <laughs> even though it's Monday. <laughs> All right. So let's get right into it, everybody. Like, let's let's take a look at this. I, I assume we all watched the, the episode that premiered on Friday on Disney Plus, The Heiress, which was Dallas Bryce Howard, giving her contribution, rejoining the, ca- the, the directing cast to uh, guide us through the episode. Just wondering what everybody thought of the episode. Are we liking what we saw? Are we disliking it? Are there concerns? Is there happiness amongst the crowd? What do you say? Tyler, take a shot. I I think it's my top three episodes. It's up there. I loved it. It had great dramatic irony because there's a ton of things that we, the audience, knew was going on. If you knew a lot of other Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. And if not, you have a lot of reveals coming. Yeah, it's kind of up there <laughs> for that. Uh, Andy, what'd you think? So, I, I've got a buddy of mine who wakes up pretty much every every Friday morning, and the first thing he does is watch the Mandalorian episode. And I get a, a like a three word review from him the second you know he's done watching it, and he said to me, "quote This is the best episode of the Mandalorian." Period. And I was like, "Oh my god, this is going to be amazing!" Now, mm-hmm. before I say what I'm going to say, don't get me wrong, I agree that was a great episode. Mm-hmm. But for me, I felt like it was a trailer. If we go and see an amazing movie, we don't come out of it being like, ah, man, I really love the trailers. We say, oh my God, I really love the movie. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this episode started so much that we've all been kind of waiting for, wanting for, longing for. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as that dark blade came out at the end of, uh last season we're like uh oh this is gonna start so many things and this particular episode while great started all that and like by the end of it i was like oh my god this is gonna be amazing and then the trailer uh, the credits come and i'm like no i i need more i have to have more um that being said i can't remember the actor's name but that cameo was fantastic I mm-hmm. love him. He's fantastic in everything he's ever done. Um, the guy from Deadwood, episode. right? Yes, yes. Yeah, the Imperial commander. The, the, yeah. yeah, he's a commander. That being said, the episode was great. Loved it. But I'm now just yearning for so much more to come. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of see where you're coming from there. Hey, Boris, what do you think, buddy? 
Well, you know me. You know that I stay up because I don't sleep. So I stay up uh, to watch the episode on Thursday night, Friday morning. Um, and I give it two thumbs way up. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I do have to agree with Andy, though. Um, it You know, it feels like there's constant building blocks for this show. You know, all these teases. And so far, we haven't had any payoff. Um, which... You know, again, I'm very patient. I love the fact that this show is kind of rebuilding the lure of Star Wars. But at some point, you know, there needs to be some payoff. And I'm starting to get a little nervous that we're not going to see that. But having said that, this episode on its own was two thumbs way the fuck up. Yeah, I got to say, I, I kind of got, I watched it. You know, and I, I sit with it for a little bit, and then I have to rewatch it for the show here um, several times and start doing critical analysis. But my first viewing is kind of like 13-year-old me, right? Mm -hmm. Like sitting down and watching it and not trying to overthink it, just trying to experience it. And so I have a 13-year-old oh, me went absolutely bananas. Like, awesome. Yeah. I'm afraid of what I, else 13-year-old you does. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I was a good 13-year-old. Um, so I have a question for the group because I want to jump in on this because I mm -hmm. think this might be a position where we may be diverging a little bit in our logic positive reviews. So did you think that the reveal of the Mandalorian, the titular Mandalorian, being of this subsect, that was, do you think that wasn't a payoff then? That was just more buildup? Because I thought that was a payoff of a thing we were... Like it was a small payoff, right? Because yeah. you're doing the little payoffs to build it up. I agree. We really got... I, for me, I felt it was a big payoff because we kind of got to the bottom of where the Mandalorian, like, Din Jarden fits in with other Mandalorians and where it fits into the canon that's established. The question that I came away with was, depending on your level of Star Wars nerd geekiness, would depend mm -hmm. on how much of the payoff you kind of get as an audience. Now, I have no no clue about Andy's experience or Andy's expectation, but I know for a lot of people, just to be fair, I think they're going to look at Bo-Katan being on the screen and go, well, who is that, right? Like, other than being a cool character that's being portrayed by Katie Sackhoff, right? Mm -hmm. It it really does come down to, um, you know, is, is it appreciated that there's a, a huge story arc yeah. That we've lived through, like, I tried to explain it to my dad, and I'm like, you know, it's almost been 20 years of watching animated shows mm -hmm. that kind of got realized in this one episode, and that's what made me happiest. I, I'll, <laughs> so. I'll definitely agree with you on that. Um, before Mandalorian even came out, um, to kind of fill that void of knowing it was coming, I, I watched all of uh, Clone Wars and Rebels, and really, our experience with Mandalorians up until those cartoons was you know we saw boba fett we saw the the you know the the clones and, and the original and the the prequel trilogy but that was kind of it they never really dive dove into what mandalorians are so when in the animated series when you see bo katan and the rest of the a lot of the mandalorians take their helmets off on the regular and then mm -hmm. you get into the mandalorian he's like no i can't take it off this is the way you know be all end all they're kind of like well wait a second all those Mandalorians took off their helmets all the time. Like it was a normal <laughs> thing. And then you get to this episode and you kind of have those two things like smashed together where it's like the Mandalorian way, 
Bo-Katan way, it's like, well, now what, what, what is the fact? And then they, they make, I think they spent like 30 seconds explaining, oh, he's part of this old thing. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, wait a second. Now we need to get more information on that. Whereas yeah. to me, I, you guys talking about it brings it back. But to me, I was so intensely excited about the fact that as soon as I saw Bo-Katan land, I saw that helmet. I saw the artwork, and I'm like, "Oh, my fiance has not watched it. She's actually just starting uh, Clone Wars today." Um, <laughs> I was like, "Honey, honey, honey, honey! Oh my god, Bo-Katan! Oh my god! Oh my god!" The art, like, and then she takes off the helmet. And I'm like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! They did it!" And then, so like all that reveal kind of dwarfed everything else for me because I was just on fire about this reveal that just happened you know they land the, the baby's in the in the in the thing it's like what so many things are going on all at once so there was so many things that happened in that episode which is why i feel like it's like well, i need to know more, more about this i need to know more mm-hmm. about that i need to know when bo is going to go try and get her dark saber back i need to know when we're going to go see um ahsoka tano like all these things are happening now and that's where i'm like i need more yeah i need so much more all right, so what we're going to do now is we're going to jump into our kind of breakdown of the show because I can already tell we're on point for probably a little bit deeper of a discussion about some of the reveals and some of the characters and some of where we think this this episode's going to take us with the series and, you know, subsequent seasons even. I, I think it is a, a big package that they're putting in front of us to uh, open up on Christmas Day um, for the... Uh, kind of the end of season two here so we'll uh just take a look at basically we have the the razor crest coming in and doing a big crash onto the the water planet i think trask and um i don't know i i that opening sequence was a lot of fun for me it didn't have those cheesy sound effects like we had in i guess the uh the spider episode with the because it was in space so it wouldn't naturally make that noise um and I just really enjoyed seeing the repurposed walker kind of hauling the razor crest out of the water mm-hmm. and just that whole kind of sequence to me was a lot of fun. I know it was pretty, you know, straightforward, but you guys have any thoughts on that, that how they, they kind of rolled this thing right out from the minute we left off the previous episode. Go for it, Andrew. My, my initial thoughts, especially with it in terms of the Raven Crest, is, is at what point is <laughs> just going to give up on that poor ship? Yep. Because, like, it it's now has seaweed holding 90% of it together. The fact that it's even going to try and go back through the atmosphere again is, is besides the point. But the fact that it keep coming back to when I'm chatting about this show is that this show was made by Star Wars nerds. Yep. They have thought about absolutely everything, every mm-hmm. possible detail. And instead of a bunch of execs sitting around a table being like, so how much money can we make out of this? You have a bunch of guys being like, dude, what if we try this? Or what if we do this? Or what if we do this? And the fact that, like you said, there's a repurposed walker. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, huh. yeah, they took an old walker and repurposed it. And I'm like, it like the tiny little things like you could watch these episodes a million times and not catch everything um but no the the fact that he lands and they're all like okay cool he landed he goes "Eh," into the water i'm like yeah perfect (laughs) yeah i was a little shocked actually when that happened i i was like the the ship's already i'm wondering if his guns are even in there 
that great little yeah. closet of guns. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just was a little bit alarming. And the funny thing is, out of the Star Wars stuff, you know where they got the inspiration for the adats from Empire Strikes Back? Was going to the docks and looking at those huge cranes. Yeah. That was the inspiration. So, in a funny, really weird conceptual way, this is a return to that original idea yeah. with the walkers. So, If I may interject I, I thought, for a second, one thing that yeah. I really enjoyed about this opening sequence, once we were down on the planet, was the fact that it was a water planet. I don't think, you know, on TV, we've seen too much of water in the Star Wars universe. Like, this is the first time that we really got, um, you know, on, on, a, on screen, um, you know, this different type of world i, I agree i i would be a live real, action for sure yeah live action for yeah sure. i mean on that that just kind of puts into my head of like we had a moment in the squadrons video game where you visit moncala briefly who for those who remember the legends timeline moncala was like super important yeah um yeah and, that's, and now it's that's, that was less a... so Mm-hmm. Point like I think it was in Clone Wars, yeah. Mon Cala and the Quarren War, yeah, and and it's there. yeah, yeah, and it talks about stuff in Squadrons where it's like it is a manufacturing base still, and they still make chips, and it's not as much as it used to be. But I would love for us to go there at some point. That's just as a quick little aside on that water planet bit. Well, I, mm-hmm. I think I think preventing it in the past, like deserts are easiest to do. Yeah, 100%. Landscapes and, and filming. I think water is one of the most challenging of the special effects kind of things to mitigate on set. So I think that whatever the, the volumes technology is, that it's, in, it's enabling this type of shoot to happen and this type of environment to be created is really <clears throat> a sign of, I guess, the special effects progress. And, mm-hmm. and Andy kind of hit on it too when you have maybe this idea where they sit there and they go, well, what's best use of our money? Instead, the production crew is, wouldn't it be cool? Let's do this. Like, I don't think there was permission sought. I think there was ambition to just go out and prove that they could be done. Yeah. And that speaks volumes to, you know, the, the way that this show, again, I don't know how Dallas Bryce Howard gets stuck with. That's got to be a huge technical challenge and she kind of had it up against her last last season with the horror-esque you know samurai seven kind of episode too so um good for her for navigating that i'm sure it's going to be in disney gallery Mm -hmm. um and we also get what's surprising me on the internet this weekend is the reunion between the frog people i call the green guy kermit but (laughs) (laughs) uh there's like so much art yeah, mm-hmm. what'd you guys think of that? Like, I, I, I was pleased, but I didn't think that it would get like yep. this much so, love. For me, at least, um, you know, I think Tyler brought up a great point, and this kind of solidifies it now on second thought, um, and that's the whole conversation about payoffs. I think that mm-hmm. what we're seeing a lot of are minor payoffs, and this being one mm-hmm. of them. You know, this wraps up that storyline. Um, so, you know, I it was cool. I liked it. But, damn, there's so much fan art about this already. It's kind of crazy. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, 
the payoffs. They're there. Um, they're minor, and you know they kind of want you to feel satisfied as these episodes move along because they are telling a story, finishing up stories. But we have this much larger story happening in the background um, that you know there will eventually be a payoff. When that happens, it might be this season, might be next season, it might be season after that. Hell, it might even be on another show at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, and they also have the capacity now to do the true Star Wars thing of even the even the Mandalorian thing, which is a kind of a wonderful microcosm of Star Wars, is like they're going to come back in the next season or something like that, and it's going to be like you're going to see their kids or something. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's be a right? tiny little it, sprinkling in, and you're like, oh, frog person. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. And and as we've seen from, I'm all about the interconnective tissue today, but as we saw from the different point of views, like they love telling the stories of other people in the universe and part of star wars has always been that sense of sonder which is like what is that devil guy in the (laughs) cantina doing why is he a devil and then they're like oh we actually have four books about him and you're like sure yeah the thing i really enjoyed about the the frog people this time too is that for most of the parts in a lot of the different star wars movies and, and, and series and stuff regardless of what language the creature speaks everyone just understands it and you know there's this instant dialogue back and forth all the time mm-hmm. but in this sense the frog person starts talking and, and mando's like i have no yeah, idea i don't, I don't have that one there's that that disconnect between them and like they struggle but the the, the, the go back to the up last episode for a second the fact that the frog person's like i need to talk to you so it grabs the droid and it's like this is how mm-hmm. i'm going to talk to you for 30 seconds but yeah, I really enjoyed that. Instead of like them giving the frog person some Jar Jar Binks esque like weird language, they're just like, no, you're not going to understand what the frog person's saying. Good point. Yeah. I really like I, that. I agree. I think that part of that is why Chewie did so well. Was yeah. they understand it? But Chewie and R two from the original trilogy, especially, right? Like we never directly understood them. No, no, it's right. It's right. Um, you guys are. That's a really good point. I always get a little bit uncomfortable with some of the language choices. I do not enjoy, as we know, I don't enjoy when, you know, in Solo, when Han tries to speak to Chewie and, you know, it's just, come on. Don't like that. But I do like that element where you just either, you either understand them or you don't. And I really did like that they went out of their way. Like, to me, there was something that, that, happened in this episode and i'm saying it now because we're talking about it and it feels natural but with mando he doesn't really seem to understand the child right yeah. the child and mando they they know each other through and body and history but there was a moment where at the end when mando is picking up the kid from the frog people yep he says no we we can't have any more pets mm-hmm. like he he acknowledges <clears throat> like it seemed to me like he actually understood what the child was saying yeah now i don't know if it's just a, a good natured fatherly guess no mm-hmm. we can't keep it because the kids obviously like oh i want to play with it more but 
it it seemed to me rather on point that he it was a it was a genuine response. Yeah. I think it's which too signal to me like. Ugh. Yeah, I think it's too <laughs> prawn there. I think number one, it's that whole father um, father son theme that we are we've constantly and broken down um, over the past few episodes. But I also think that it's the bond that they have and in regards to how long they've been together. You know, if you're around someone that speaks a certain language, you're going to start picking up certain words here and there. So I think it's it's kind of both at the same time because I picked up on that mm-hmm. right away that like Mando is clearly um, understanding more of what the child is saying. Mm-hmm. I and also well, wonder you know, when the kid was like the footprints type thing last episode. Sorry, go ahead. I, no, no, totally. I mean, there was also a small. Let's call it a kerfuffle on the internet over the last episode that Phil and I chatted off off the podcast about, where people were upset about Baby Yoda and the fish eggs, um, which then the response from the creative team was interesting because they were like, "Yeah, we're trying to make him less cute, and we're trying to make him do more creepy, insidious things." Um, and you got to wonder how much is them very obviously taking something that is incredibly toyetic, and then they've kind of decided like we're going to use that to explore this part of the universe more and explore what is happening here. And I wonder how much they're going to, like they've obviously have a much bigger plan. That's more nuanced than even I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they're going to end up doing, you know, the thing of like, this baby is not inherently good just because he looks like Yoda. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. I wonder how much is the force getting into Mando? I, I saw that um, some people really did respond, and I think there was a lot of outrage uh, about, you know, the whole implication of eliminating an mm-hmm. entire race by consuming it before the eggs are fertilized and all that, which I kind of looked at as a bit of, I don't know, a, a little bit of fake outrage or whatever, you know, to be honest, like every time the baby Yoda child is in jeopardy, that could be the end of its bloodline for all we know. Mm-hmm. Um the the one thing that did kind of stick with me though was some people's reactions that they don't find the child that cute anymore. It's mm-hmm. damaged their view of the child and the child products. Yep. What? Well, and so the, it's a risk. Again, the creative team said that was the goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars isn't cute, and and yeah. I, I don't think they care about Baby Yoda being cute or not cute. They made a cute thing in the first season, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's adorable. I mean, my fiance freaking wants every doll toy <laughs> imaginable. But at the same time, like Star Wars isn't cute. It's a sci-fi series. It's supposed to well, it's supposed to be sci-fi. It's not supposed to be adorable and, you know, fun. It's supposed yeah. to be, you know, entertaining and amazing. Every time that the baby Yoda started slamming back some eggs, I, I kind of laughed. Mm-hmm. I found it funny. Um I found it like it's a kid. It doesn't know that it's not supposed to be doing this. It's also a kid that's hungry. Probably hasn't eaten properly sitting in a broken down ship for a while. I think that hunger thing is really the point of it. It was comedic relief, dark humor, uh, as Lucasfilm was kind of let out. And it was also the fact that now Mando is really responsive to the child because he goes, I know you're hungry. Mm-hmm. Like he's actually saying that to the kid. He never said that before. Mm-hmm. Now finding food is an issue and that's what happens in the story now because basically we go to a bar and you know the price of a seat is basically you got to eat and Mando's like I'm going to buy info and pulls out the flan from last season 
mm-hmm. the, the, the money, the Mon Calamari money. But they also pour a bowl of, of chowder for the <laughs> child. That obviously, when you watch it, you will see the 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 kind of bulging spit mm-hmm. that is the squid that <laughs> come out that I didn't notice for the other corn that they had it going into their bowls. But um, it, it ended up, you know, Yoda or the child, <laughs> this thing attaching to his face, which was again very alien esque, the face hugger octopus. And the the um the moment where Mando has to, you know, stab the thing, <laughs> and then the child just like gorges on it, right? Like, yeah, it, it, he's slurping it up like spaghetti. Yep. But I think so... one thing that a lot of people don't re- re- like realize or remember or want to consider when talking about this stuff is the fact that things aren't perfect in this world, right? Like, you know, they've gone out of their way to make this show as realistic as humanly possible you just saw the fall of the empire you know you're in the middle of transition whatever that transition looks like you're literally on the run you know guess what you are going to get hungry guess what you're not going to be perfect um so i think that it's just people have this 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 to andy's point like this you know sunshine and rainbows view of star wars and the star wars world whereas if you know you've been a star wars fan for a really long time you know you have a more realistic view as to what happens in star wars and it's not always happy stuff it's not always happy go lucky you know these people are on the run um they're going planet to planet you know they eat when they can um and they do whatever they have to to survive I, I'm going to push back on that a bit, I think, because I'm, I'm worried we're getting into territory of, like, you're not a real Star Wars fan, which I, I, I mean, this whole fiasco online, from my reading, was some people originally doing some pretty milk toast criticism. Like, seriously, like, I saw the other thing, you maybe the other thing eating eggs, and I was like, oh, that's not, that's not great. And it wasn't me being like, how dare they? It was more of like, oh, that's dark. Like, that is dark. That is dark, 90% dark chocolate. Dark. <laughs> um, and then I, 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 from my readings, what it was, like some of the, like the original round of criticisms, a lot of them were pretty like, oh, wow, that was, that was dark. And some people, you know, got more upset. And I think it's in their entire right to. There was a couple of people online who, who seemed to have like a very emotional response to that. And that's entirely valid. But then they got attacked online. And if you're getting attacked for like, especially for pretty milk toast like, Eh, you know, this is dark. I don't know if this is really what I would have done, but eh. at the end of the day, and, you know, for me, it's everyone has an opinion, whether it's, you yeah. know, everyone is allowed to their own opinion, um, whether I agree with it or not, that's completely out of the, you know, sure. beside the point. Um, what I can't stand, though, is the, you know, the see, we're going to we're walking on eggshells at this point, um, you know, for lack of a better Ooh. word, it's the cancer culture, you know, it's. Ooh. Because I don't like this, this is quote unquote wrong. This needs to go away. Um, you See, know. I think no, I think that in this instance, especially from my reading of it, it like that was not how this like That's there was not, not really started. a you know, well, no, no, right. and and more importantly, there was never really a cohesive thing behind it. We shared a Vanity Fair article that I even said I think was irresponsible reporting because yeah. like mm-hmm. it was very much like some people disagreed on Twitter yeah. and. It is, as someone who, like, 
I, I think that there is a time and a place where where canceling is legitimate. Like I think that you know, I think John Bolton shouldn't be allowed. Like, should they should we shouldn't be giving him publishing deals? I think that John Bolton should be canceled in that way. But I think that's very different from people offering some yep. some pretty mundane criticism. And then I, I think we got to accept that there's part of the defend Star Wars crowd that are rabid maniacs. Yep. Yeah. And and like are issuing death threats to Rosemary Tran. And I, you know, if we look at canceling as like a larger concept, I have seen more damage and more and like more damage and 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 bullshit about anti-canceling than the canceling group has ever really gotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can raise two million dollars for your legal defense fund for no one suing you because you've been canceled, I don't, I don't know. You're not hurt. You're not hurt. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that I think that I think that the media on culture coverage of this where it's like oh my god people are saying cancel baby yoda and it's like are they or are they offering like ah some mild criticism and then people get in twitter fights and it's like okay i think that's it because you know you have news that's it means the modern equivalent of like yeah go for it no i was just gonna say because it's kind of like you know us geeks in the star wars world we kind of have our own discussion going on. Some reporter yeah. jumps on, reads a couple stuff and says, oh, you know, I'm jumping up on this. And then that creates <laughs> yeah. and created a much bigger issue in the grand scheme of things. 100%. Anyways, Phil, yeah, 100%. We've been spending... I just looked at it like a little Twitter thing. You know, I, it's yeah. valid criticism. Yeah. Uh, that's it. So... Anyways. And then Vanity Fair was like, this is the end of things. Like, oh. Yeah. yeah. But then... we all agreed that was trash. Yeah, And then so... we just invested 10 minutes on this. So. Yeah, let's get oh, past it. Out. So basically, we get onto this quarantine ship. We get the child, Amando, the there from the trailer. We've got them looking at this big creature the first time we've ever seen it. And mm-hmm. he's like, you know, come on. We'll have the kid watch it and all this. And it was all a setup. And the emotional stakes got pretty high pretty fast. When the quarantine kicks the child in, the child just at last second gets those little pram doors to close on her, on its egg. And... It gets eaten, and Mando immediately defends that thing that we continue to observe, where he jumps in to rescue it, and then the Quarren, basically, this was their plan all along, cage him in there and want to get that Beskar. Yeah. So yeah. this is the big moment. You know, this is this leads to something absolutely huge. Yeah. In you know what my favorite part about that was? Was the fact that it indeed was a trap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, it it goes back to the whole setup all the way from the Mon Calamari to go, I know a guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like right there, when you rewatch it, you're like, Oh man, it's on. Like they're all on the take here. Yeah. Well, and, and I love that yeah. after we've had Mando have a couple of episodes of him being pretty badass, that it's like he can still be surprised and that's like you're gonna get him sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, th- these past two episodes, they got him on the trap with the bike. Yep. And they got him on, on this one, like, completely pants down. On that Yeah. Trip. Yeah, this one, it, it... Yeah, I love the... I also love the... I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it felt a bit, a little bit like a mirror to that earlier one where he refused the ride from the droid. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, I trust biological things more. And I wonder how much of that is him also starting to be... Like, I don't know, it mirrored that really well to me. Well, and we have the biological beings, right? The Quarren and mm-hmm. everybody, and he, he's misplacing his trust, maybe. Yeah. You know? 
on this planet. Andy, what what do you think of that whole? What did you and your fiance think about watching that? Because I imagine <laughs> well, that was quite shocking. <laughs> so, I mean, even as, as as a viewer, it was like, you know, okay, what 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 is this? I was more intrigued about what this being was going to be in terms of are we about to see a new Star Wars? massive monster creature thing what's it going to look like you know the fish go in it's fairly fish are being eaten in a thing we're not seeing anything yet what's happening happening, what's happening and then boom in goes egg and of course my fiance is now ecstatic because she's like no no no, baby yoda has to be protected she was ready to dive into the water let alone mando um and that that the, it went, that scene went from zero to a hundred, mm-hmm. real freaking quick. And mm-hmm. I do have to laugh at the fact that blaster shots, for the most part, bounce off of Mando's armor, but they're trying to jab him with a blade. Yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's not really going to do a whole lot. Of, yeah. You know, well, they're just trying to drown him. But the, the the thing is, is that in this this version of, or I guess in all along in Star Wars, we just don't know it. They really went and highlighted it when the Mandalorians take their helmets off. You hear the seal break, just like when mm-hmm. Darth Vader takes his helmet off. So these mm-hmm. guys are in their own little ecosystem as far as being sealed off from, from certain elements, right? Just mm-hmm. like stormtroopers are sealed off from certain elements. I don't think certain types of gas can get through and, and things like that. Like there's different filtration systems when mm-hmm. you do the read-ups on some of the technical gear in the books. But, yeah, it, it certainly seems like the thing that I took away was his jetpack works underwater. <laughs> that was, that's that was the biggest thing, right? I'm like, yeah. and, and, and at this point, we have the introduction of basically the Night Owls, all right? So we have Bo-Katan and two nondescript, you know, Mandos, one of them being Sasha Banks, uh, coming in and basically getting Mando out of there. And then Sasha Banks dives back in to get the child after Mando tells them that, you know, the child's in there. And yeah, we get to that point where they take off their helmets and Mando immediately starts, where did you get this armor? Right. Assuming that they're just parading as Mandalorians and not actually part of it. And we get that explanation that Mando is in fact part of a zealot group basically that's derivative of the night watch which mm-hmm. for all the people out there the two second remo- like the two second update here because it is a deep subject is the night watch are basically just a bunch of guys like a bunch of mandalorians that tried to retake mandalore through the military force or through through this adherence to uh, uh, a very diligent code that mandalorians used to subscribe to do you, you mean the death watch Death Watch, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and basically the Night Owls um, came in, and, and that was Satine. And Bo-Katan is Satine's sister in mm-hmm. in in the Clone Wars series. And she was like more about, well, we have to be reasonable, and we don't need to wear helmets. And we don't, you know, we're warrior people, but we can also be smart diplomats in the universe mm-hmm. and broker peace that way. So it is really a cultural divide. So Mando's on one side of that. And these Mandalorians are on the other side of it, which I thought was interesting because they, they part ways. They mm-hmm. immediately, you know, Mando retreats back to the city, watches them blow up the boat. And is like, all right, let's just get on with it. Then I'm going to go back to into town. And yeah, story progresses. But what are our thoughts on 
this big reveal, uh, you know, Katie Sackhoff, Sasha Banks. We got a lot yeah. in this. And we got story explanation. What's all of our reaction to that? Whoever wants to go first, speak up. Go for it, Andy. I'll say it again, like I said earlier. As soon as uh, Bo-Katan landed and I saw that very distinct artwork on her helmet, I, I like was like smacking her. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I know who that is. Oh my God. And the best part is, is like whenever I watch things, I always have to have um, the captions on because, you know, audio is not always the greatest. Mm -hmm. And I literally saw, like, as soon as she said her first words, it said Bo-Katan. And then what it said, I'm like, it confirmed, it's confirmed, it's confirmed. It says Bo-Katan, it says Bo-Katan right there. Oh my God. And then, of course, my, my brain just starts spewing. I'm like, of course Bo-Katan's coming. The Darksaber was revealed in the first season. She's now coming. She's She knows it's somewhere. She has to go and find it and recapture it. But yeah. now it kind of brings in is like, where did it go? How did it leave her? And how did it get to where it is now? Um, but in terms of that particular scene, though, um, definitely really cool. Definitely. I, I, I knew that there was an announcement that Katie was going to do that role. But I, I had kind of forgotten because it was so long ago. And then when I saw her take the helmet off, um, she doesn't have her kind of trademark as Battlestar Galactica blonde hair. And I'm like, is that her? And I had to like quickly go to IMDb and be like, Mandalorian season two. It is her. Oh my God, it's her. That's cool. Cool. Um, but that was also cool is being a big Battlestar Galactica fan. And then now this, that's kind of like two beautiful worlds combining. Um, mm -hmm. And she kind of plays the same sort of character in a bit. A yep. badass. Well, she also world. voiced Bo-Katan in the Clone Wars cartoons and yep. Rebels. Yeah. So just, yeah. just so we know, she's being... Uh, edging in on that role <laughs> should we should we for the less aware listeners go over briefly what the like the importance of the dark saber to bo-katan uh yeah well i i think that this episode basically illustrates it because she does have a moment where she speaks almost like moff gideon i found mm -hmm. where she's like he has something that belongs to me and i must retrieve it which is all about the dark saber and mm -hmm. the point of this whole thing is it's made by the one of the first um, Mandalorian Jedi's mm -hmm. made this dark saber, and basically it's become a symbol for the Mandalorians. Whoever wields the saber commands the Mandalorians. Uh, yeah, in that sense, but you can only achieve that through a challenge. So I don't think that that's why Moff Gideon is really flexing on that yeah. point because he's gotten it through some kind of ill means. He's not yeah. he's not lost it through a challenge. Which that yeah. is kind of what's come out of this episode because mm -hmm. obviously uh, Bo-Katan doesn't know, she has an idea who has it, but she doesn't know yeah. for sure. She's trying to find the evidence, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we, we would know that it it, hand, it fell over to him during the Great Purge somehow. So it also like, there's an, a lot of yeah. interesting story beats there. For example, you know, uh, uh, Rebels ended the Mandalorian arc stuff with Bo-Katan leading the resistance, basically. Yeah. On Mandalore. Um, yeah. And then we know after that that at some point the Empire is like, well, no. <laughs> yeah, and, and we even have that in the dialogue here because mm -hmm. she, they, the, the Mandalorians kind of like in the, in, just in the immediate future when they, go, when they all meet afterwards, they mm -hmm. get them out of trouble with some more Quarrens and they go and they have a drink 
and mm-hmm. basically they're saying, you know, we want to we want to go back to Mandalore, and Mando's like, nobody goes there. Like, like you know, you go there and you die. Yeah, and they're like, no, not really. Like, it's yeah. it's propaganda at that point. It, mm-hmm. It's the Empire's propaganda. So there's obviously something on Mandalore that's trying to be hidden, or they're trying mm-hmm. to the Empire's trying to actively discourage it. Probably Moff Gideon at this mm-hmm. point, right? Like trying to to retain whatever because uh, he he also knew Din Jardin's name and mm-hmm. whatnot. So he's access to Mandalorian law, right? So mm-hmm. he's got some deep firsthand um, stuff going on there. So yeah. it, it it all it all is interesting. I don't know how much of it, like to Andy's point, I don't know how much of it gets answered though. Like in mm-hmm. this series, I think if yeah. there's rumors of Bo Katan having her own series, or you know, I I think right now we're looking at the idea that Sabine is kind of not at play in this because everybody was thinking Sasha Banks was going to be Sabine and she's a Mandalorian and she's a yeah. damn competent one at that, but she's not reprising that role. So um, I'm really happy that that choice was made. It's just interesting how the production crew see doing, executing some of these like choices, what they're going to need to fulfill. And it is the story about, the Mandalorian and the child getting to a Jedi and trying to alleviate himself of the care of the child, mm-hmm. or is a story about the story about Mandalore? You know, and I think that that's that's what is dangerously being set up here for fans. <laughs> it's like they're setting kind of targets on people are getting more involved with the lore of this the more they dangle it in there and and mm-hmm. pay off the fans for a long long time viewership. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think that, I mean, obviously, as much as going back to my original, original point that this is being done by Star Wars nerds instead of, you know, money execs, obviously Disney has the idea and the plan that the Mandalorian is going to be like a 10 season show. We're going to have mm-hmm. all this content that's going to happen. But at the same time, they are very beautifully setting this up for, you know, once baby Yoda goes home or whatever that arc is going to be that they can start to explore so many other of these plot holes. I mean, the fact that Boba Fett stood there for a second at the end of that one episode, that 32 second moment mm-hmm. opens up so many other avenues and so many other back traveling avenues and what happened back then, what happens moving forward. <laughs> so they're, they're doing it so well in the sense that this can be a long long-winded thing i mean yes usually star wars is three and done but i think it's going to be a heck of a lot more than three seasons i think it's going to be four five six seven eight who knows i think they've renewed another two seasons yeah and the news is broken as well that boba fett is kind of happening mm-hmm. as his own show and there's also rumors of cara dune having her own show and there's also mm-hmm. rumors of you know some kind of Rebel-esque Ezra slash Sabine slash Bo-Katan live action, maybe. Here's the thing about this show, and I think I told Phil this um, over Messenger, uh, was that this show is now starting to really look like a Rebels and Clone Wars um, sequel. Like, part of that kind of uh, line of, of... of Star Wars lure. Um, so, you know, I, I have a feeling that we are going to be seeing Ezra. We are going to be seeing a lot of that stuff really happen here. So, um, you know, I think that 
they're on purposely bringing in these characters for a one and done type episode. But, you know, as we've mentioned many times, even on this episode, a lot of these characters are going to have the possibility of spin-off shows. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that this show is essentially a launching pad for, you know, years and years of TV to come in the Star Wars world. Um, And it was kind of a test at the same time to see how they can do it. And clearly it's doing well because, you know, I would put a lot of stock into the fact that, you know, this show, The Mandalorian, is the reason why Disney Plus is now at 70 million subscribers. Yeah. And I'm going to say it right now. I'm, I'm going to make the proclamation. Out of everything that I've seen and everything that I see coming up, Disney just made the new Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like, like if we were all at the workplace, the cooler talk, you know, around the lunch lunchroom would be about The Mandalorian. Did you watch The Mandalorian on Friday night? Because yep. that's why I had to start watching Game of Thrones is because I, people just expected me to be like have my inner nerd on. And I'm like, I really don't like the show. It's too violent. <laughs> it's it's too complicated, all this stuff. And now I'm like, well, I got to watch it because that's what everybody's going to talk about on Monday morning. So Sunday night is Game of Thrones night, you know, for those two mm-hmm. months that it's on. And this is what they're doing here. And they're they're looking up. They're looking like they're going to make this into an ongoing thing for a long time. Like it's not going to be just two months of the year for everybody. It's going to be something like if, if this gets realizes it, it's full potential and we have a COVID, you know, home watching world, mm-hmm. I think we're, you know, going to see this go into a three or four month kind of expenditure at a yeah. time. For Here's people the thing though. Shows. I think that they have to be really, really careful. We saw it on the movie side where, you know, we were just tired of, of, of you know, more mm-hmm. Star Wars movies on the big screen. I think the jump mm-hmm. from Last Jedi to Solo, you know, with it only being a five, six month um, break between the two, really, and like, not even, let's not even talk of the fan reaction to The Last Jedi. Just that five, six month break, you know, it was just too little time for yet another Star Wars movie. So I hope that while... This does kick off, you know, a bunch of shows. I hope that they're just timed well so that we just don't get Star Wars fatigue again. That mm-hmm. that would be the worst thing that can happen because then, you know, what's, you know, people are just going to start dropping off left, right, and center. So I hope that they are smart in the way that they time this um, because, like, for – this is, like, the stupidest example. But um, reality TV – Bravo, you know, they have the Below Deck uh, series. They have three spinoffs. And literally, they go start and end right after each other. Um, mm-hmm. And while the ratings are still high, you know, me personally, and I know other people who watch those shows, it's just now that they're getting Below Deck fatigue. And I cannot fucking believe. I just... I'm, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's yeah. a real, real concern because when you're being this creative... You have to be on point with Dave Filoni and the creatives that have to have the quality stories. If yep. you start diluting it and spreading it out, all you're going to do is lose audience. I, yep. I don't think, unless you're shooting demographics or something like that, like there's really a, a sustained vision that's going on mm-hmm. about, well, we don't want regular Star Wars people. We want little girls to watch Star Wars, and this is their way to get into it type of show. Yeah, I'm wondering how much they're going to learn from the Marvel side of things. Because even if you don't 
like a movie. Those numbers are really hard to argue with. Yep. And they've mm-hmm. definitely demonstrated that they can do that that meta arc in a way that has not really ever been done before. Mm-hmm. So we have WandaVision is January something officially. January fifteenth. Yeah. Is it? Yep. Yeah. Official? Official yeah. it was moved back again. It came out this week. Yep. January yeah, 15th. it's official like today. <laughs> um the next trailer dropped like this morning. Um and then Winter Soldier Falcon is is not too long after. So I'm wondering with all these announcements, I'm hoping that they're learning from the other side because that side has shown it knows how to do a meta narrative and pull these pieces together. And they don't get hit by the same fatigue that Boris is identifying for Star Wars. Yeah. I honestly I didn't have fatigue going in solo, but I know I'm I'm mm-hmm. a different sweaty type of nerd. My issue was the last jedi flavor that was in my mouth yeah like honestly if i was going to skip that movie and i didn't if Mm -hmm. i was going to it would have been because i was just so mad at the last jedi choices which i'm becoming better with everybody don't worry (laughs) hey andy what's your take on kind of like you know the the strategy moving forward you know would you be in the star wars fatigue um boat I'm going to be honest with you. Star Wars has always had an incredibly important place in my heart, my soul, my life. Um, Hell, even when I met my fiance, her Twitter, or not her Twitter, her Tinder profile literally said, do or do not, there is no try. And I'm like, (laughs) the one, that's the one right there. Um, And, you know, I, I haven't, I, I haven't experienced Star Wars fatigue like you know when after the last Jedi came out and I knew I had to wait for Mandalorian I started binge watching uh the the um, uh Clone Wars and and Rebels because I Mm -hmm. I knew they existed I just I didn't know what they were about or whether they were any good and then I found out that they were great and I started watching I'm like oh my god Rebels is brilliant the 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 storyline is fantastic and then clone wars oh my god so much so good and it's like i never watched clone wars and i'm like i know what happens in clone wars why would i want to watch a cartoon about a i know what i know what happens Mm -hmm. but what i love about it is is that we have our movies but then we're starting to now being like well there's so much that happens in between everything or after everything that there's so many more other avenues that we can start to go and, and invest into the thing that kind of worries me into my head, and it's the one I'm really worried about with, with Marvel, um, is we've gone through all the mainstream things that can capture such a huge, massive audience because it's, you know, it's the, the big names for Marvel, you know, Iron Man, Thor, all those guys are all out there. Cool. But now we're going to start to dive into the more deeper Marvel, like yeah. Eternals and stuff like that. And already audience is going to be as receptive to something that's more deeper into the depths of comic books and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The mainstream people don't necessarily know a hell of a lot about. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I don't know a lot about Eternals. I know nothing about Eternals, but I'm excited to learn about it. But I don't think the mainstream people are necessarily going to do be as excited. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd like to look at, at Guardians of the Galaxy, though. If it's <laughs> well what I was going to say. Yeah, if it's well done, take my money now. Like, seriously. Because yeah. I've never had so much fun in a movie theater as Guardians 1 and 2. And oddly enough, those movies always coincide with something really bad happening in my life. But oh, God, I still right? love... Yeah, and I, I don't even... 
I don't even consciously think about that because I'm just like my excitement for the show just outweighs oh, yeah. any anxiety yeah. that I have in my own superstition. So if the Eternals is done in such a way that it's that compelling, mm-hmm. I'm excited. Sign me up. Like, yeah, you can make a also, movie about toenail fungus. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I think Marvel also has one major ace up their sleeve, and that's the fact that they now have x-men in their properties they now have mm-hmm. you know all these other characters that are actually you know b- before 2008 would have been above iron man in the mm-hmm. uh, marvel landscape you know so they have that huge ace up their sleeve and coincidentally star wars to a certain extent has the same um you know the, the, you want name recognition well ewan mcgregor is going to be obi-wan kenobi again you know like they have yeah. a few aces up their sleeve and i'm sure that there's a few aces up their sleeve that we don't know about just yet yeah and and honestly i just to to pad that like you look at through that acquisition they also get the Fantastic Four. Yeah. They also get, you know what I mean? Like there yeah. are endless franchises that are storied comic books and cartoons and things that we grew up with in the 80s and whatnot that were just like so massive on yeah. on the comic book shelves and whatnot. And they have all that brand new to them and to mm-hmm. matriculate into their story. Because if you would have told me, oh, there's going to be a 23 movie arc ending in Endgame, and it's yeah. going to be one of the most cinematic uh, masterpieces as far as a culmination of of climax for a, mm-hmm. for a worldwide audience. You yeah. know, no, I would have been like bullshit. Not yeah. going to happen. I'm sorry. Twenty three movies, yeah. way too ambitious. And go back to have... go back to two thousand five and say that Robert Downey Jr. is going to be the mainstream part of all that. We would have definitely <laughs> been like, you yeah. mean that guy Easily in jail? Did. You know, like, <laughs> yep, yep. We're gonna have a fat Thor, and you're gonna love it. Yeah. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> but Mark you know, Ruffalo, oh. who is just in Sixteen Candles, he's gonna be Hulk. Yeah, but here's the <laughs> here's the thing, though. Like, do you guys ever watch this show and kind of turn down the Star Wars geek dial and try to watch it like as a an everyday viewer? Um, you know, because I look in my life, and not a lot of people I know are just average fans who are tuning into Mandalorian. Um, I would love to actually have a conversation with someone who isn't like this rabid fan, who knows all these characters, who know, you know, their backstories, etc. Like, I would just... Are are non-Star Wars fans enjoying this show as much as we are? Yeah, that's I a good question. I think so, because th- this is what happens when social media lights up mm-hmm. and people are not in on the joke. They want to be in on it. Like they, if they see the stuff happening and they go, well, I want to know about these frogs. I want to know about this. I want to know about this baby Yoda. Like, that's what my niece was like. I got to watch the Mandalorian, Phil, because like, what's going on? It seems like there's a cultural phenomenon happening and I'm missing out on the joke. Mm -hmm. You know, like the, 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 that's what's bringing the people in and they're finding out that, yeah, you know, you, you get the next level if you're a huge fan. Like, the feedback that I got from my niece and her fiancé was, we really liked it. It was a bit out there mm-hmm. uh, for us, so we found it difficult in spots. But seeing everybody's enjoyment kept us watching it. So it was interesting. Yeah. It didn't compel them story-wise, I don't think, as cool. much. Good to know. Well, I and mean, from... Go for it, Andy. Cinematically, 
it's beautiful yeah writing wise mm-hmm. it's great um the the uh, the acting choices the the celebrity cameos all those things all those things adding in together it is an incredibly enjoyable show i mean of course i i'm i'm saying this through deep 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 bias being a huge star wars fan but it is at the end of the day a very enjoyable show yeah yeah well basically um i'm just going to move the we're we're getting close to the end here so I'm just going to move the story along uh, just so the viewers, we can react to this because I, I really think that this chunk of the show is just a huge, you know, battle extraordinaire where they're mm-hmm. trying to take this ship. They're trying to, to, to get the cargo. They have another alien moment where they use the airlock and blow them out the back. <laughs> so I just think that the, that parallel is funny. Uh, we get through, through all that and uh you know, we, we got to, we talked about it already, about the Darksaber kind of lure, and basically Bo-Katan telling Mando where to go to find Ahsoka Tano. So we, we you know, I, I don't think that there's much we can say other than it was a lot of fun and suspense and action, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it was a little bit weird having those heavy repeaters and Mando just kind of like, all right, screw it, I'm just going to walk at them now. <laughs> like, so... I'm I like, actually want to do that. Why don't you do that all the time? <laughs> I mean, I wanted to jump on that because it looked like it was still hurting him. Yeah. It just wasn't yeah. killing him instantly. Because it, like, if you don't think about I think that they're doing a good job making it seem more like it's like a Kevlar shirt or yeah. a vest or whatever. Because, like, he's getting mm-hmm. hit. Like, he is not loving this is happening. No. Yeah. yeah. It, it was definitely hitting him. Pre- each one of those shots was like a punch to the chest. Wasn't mm-hmm. killing him, but he's going to wake up pretty bruised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it just kind of bothers me though that the armor is so fit. Like his chest is covered, his head's covered, his shoulders. There are certain elements though that look completely exposed. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. And I'm like, I guess I guess we're we're like really playing that they can't hit anything. They're stormtroopers <laughs> type <laughs> angle, so they're not going to be able to get your your you know that your upper thigh or something like that or some place where you have a gap that's there. Or, you know, yeah. your, your boots aren't made of Beskar. So I'm like, they could take your foot out. That type of thing. Um, but, you know, it's TV. It, it, it's, it's it's you know, I guess it, it gets ruined if we get too intense on that yeah. kind of stuff. One thing I really and, enjoyed about this yeah. was that they kind of really built up the fact that this isn't, the you know, this isn't their first rodeo. They've been doing this for mm-hmm. a long time, probably. Um, so, you know, the, the, the remnants of the Empire, they obviously know who these people are. Um, and they kind of know what to expect, so they obviously had the orders to, you know, bring the ship down if if need be. Um, so you know, yeah, it, it kind of adds to that backstory that this isn't the first time this is happening. It's just we're seeing it for the first time because you know we're seeing the show through Mando's eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that leads to our speculation about other properties being able to use these characters under Disney and tell a pretty interesting story. Yeah. Right, like, like they could pick up this thread and use it as a foundation for a lot of stuff going forward. Uh, there, there was one part in the show we haven't touched on, and it, it was literally, I think, maybe a grand total of fifteen seconds. Um, the Jedi witch lady that we saw for like two seconds on the dock, mm. she was there and then gone. You know is, what? Is I was going to talk about him? this. But I think it's just because that's Sasha Banks. 
who yep. showed up as a Mando. So I think she just donned a robe and they were already, because he, the Mandalorian's walking around in shiny Beskar, those Mandalorians yeah. took off their their gear or she put on a cloak. Much like um, if you look at Clone Wars in that last little four, uh, the, the last season that Dave Filoni did, there was a lot of Mandalores wandering around in cloaks. Yeah. Okay. Right, right. With the Ahsoka yeah, Tano's yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. So I'm, I'm reading it like that. I don't know. Okay. Uh, it's pure. I, yeah. I kind of got like a not full on Night Sister vibe, but a bit of one. And I was like, ooh, ooh, mm-hmm. is that the direction we're going with this? And then it, then she was gone, and I'm like, no. I needed more yeah. of that, but I think you you're probably more right. I really. don't know if pull on that thread like because mm-hmm. it is the same actress i think yeah it is we we, we i'm gonna have to rewatch thoroughly it. examined that and it's not immediately clear either because she looks completely different in the mandalorian stuff mm-hmm. like i'm yeah. just like is that the same actress and it is yeah. so you know we have the imp killing himself we've got mando going back to a ship and i don't know why i did not like this choice did not like the choice that it's all pirated up inside. Like, why do we need to have netting on the chair? Um, why is yeah. there a, a sea creature wandering around the cockpit? I I got I just, that bit. Well, I got it. I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I just... Uh, I've already told you guys before we even started recording, I don't like pirate stuff that much. But when it's yeah. done well, it doesn't bug me. And this one kind of was just like a little too kitsch for me i think they're just trying to show the fact that hey he's been places like you know even in the final Mm -hmm. scene um you know with literally the ship falling apart as they're in space yeah and there's pieces of it jettisoning all over the place too yeah which is kind of funny i to to your guys points as well i don't know how long that ship's gonna last no exactly it's it's getting it's getting messy I don't know. I think it's the new Millennium Falcon. I think it's never being gotten rid of, no matter how badly it gets beaten up. He's yeah. like, get the mechanic, and they're like, it's cheaper to buy a new one. He's like, get the mechanic. Yeah, yeah. It's it's becoming its own character. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It just uh, reminds me of um, in New Girl, Winston's car from season one, when it's like literally being held together by bungee cords and duct tape. Yeah. yeah. Big time. Well, I bought a hundred and fifty dollar Lego model of it, so better stick around for the season at least. <laughs> well, you got to get the pirate one now. Oh, <laughs> don't even. Oh. Bill's birthday Anyhow. is coming up in January, so I know what I'm going to get him. All the pirate Lego. All yeah, just give him a bunch of pirate Lego and just like yeah. put it on your razor crest. There is there is a new boat that's kind of got me questioning. <laughs> <laughs> Like it breaks apart. I don't know. But let's let's take a, a quick round um to talk about what we think is going to happen in the next episode or two. Andy, what do you think? Where are we going? Um I think I, I, as much as I think uh, we we may have mentioned earlier that Ahsoka Tano might not come until the very end of the ep- uh, of the season. I think she's coming next episode. I really think we're finally gonna meet her if if anything, for like maybe the end of the episode, she's gonna like do that like silhouette walk in to a room kind of thing, and then credits. Um, but I definitely think her reveal is either next episode or it has to be the one after that one. Um, 
I'm now like I, I don't know where we're gonna go with with the whole Bo-Katan in terms of her getting her saber back because it's almost be kind of become two separate storylines happening now. Baby Yoda has to get to where he's got to go, and she's got to get her sword back. So maybe they're both gonna then ultimately come back in the end. But I'm very intrigued about where those two things are gonna go, and I I, I don't have a prediction because everything's mm-hmm. been kind of like so. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Every episode. So Morris, what I do you have. Think? Oh, oh, go Tyler, first. Tyler, Tyler, go. Uh, I'm I'm champing at the bit because mine goes off Andy's really well. I have uh, a two theories, and both of them are unfortunately longer term because I don't know the next episode. But I think that number one, I think that the end thing for Baby Yoda is he doesn't leave. He stays with stays with Mando, and he becomes a Mandalorian. Right, because we go back to that adopted Mandalorian culture, yep. which it's it's we're already we're already bringing in a bit. And number two, I think we're going to start doubling down in general on the Force being not just Jedi and Sith. Uh, we got a lot of that in Rebels, and it's always been part of like Ahsoka's shtick. And then if you kind of look at the meta narrative that we're starting to see, because we have fallen Jedi, which has a bunch of force users who are not Jedi or Sith. And baby Yoda is a hundred percent. He's not Jedi or Sith, but there we go. Horus. Um, I think that they're going to throw a curveball, And I think that next week we're going to see like a freak of the week type episode. Um, and then we're going to, get back mm-hmm. to whichever narratives they want to throw at us the following week with Ahsoka Tano. I can even see that happening at the end of next episode where, again, we see a tease and then we're going to have to wait another mm-hmm. week. Um, you know, one thing that we do have to also consider is the fact that not this Thursday, but next Thursday is Thanksgiving. So they might be wanting to make that episode huge. Yeah. I'm 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 thinking this next episode is Billy D. Williams directing. Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna have obviously some major freaking issues with the Razor Crest, and I think we're gonna have an episode where they have to remedy those issues before they can advance the Ahsoka Tano plotline. Mm-hmm. I do think that Dave Filoni is scheduled for episode five as a director, and I think he is squarely going to be assigned to bring to life the character that he's developed and turned from the most hated Star Wars, one of the most hated, I will say Jar Jar is probably higher, but one of the most hated, you know, people in Snips. And she's now the most rejoiced and beloved character. I think that that ultimate um, honor is his to tackle. And I'm really excited to see if that's true. And I just want to see more than anything with this show and with what's happening with The Mandalorian. I just want to see the people who put in the hard work for a long time and got teased get their due and get the recognition that they deserve. And I think Dave and John are two of the most capable guys for that. So I'm excited. I know you guys all are. Andy? I want you to let us know where we can find you on the interwebs. You know, let uh, let the people know where they can find you. <laughs> Absolutely. So I love talking about Star Wars. I love talking about sports, definitely. Um, I love talking about just about anything. Um, but if you want to connect, um, this is Andy Hall at this is Andy Hall on both Facebook and Instagram and uh, Halsey87 if you're on Discord. So, yeah. 
it. Awesome. have it that was a really fun chat again thank you so much andy for joining us and you know the door is open for you to join us anytime you want and i know that you will for sure be joining us whenever we do chat about the doctor doctor who um phil's not allowed on that episode but andy for sure will be wait why is hey, phil man. getting thrown under the bus <laughs> oh because i'm outspoken about doctor who <laughs> he's very outspoken about it Oh, right. Boris doesn't know my feelings about the Doctor yet. No, we I've avoided the subject with you, so, you know, I will continue to do so. <laughs> I can be a neutral observer to Doctor Who. Put it that way. I have... I have views on some of the creative teams. Yeah. Mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair. But, you know... Good time. We're... Andy did great. Yeah, Andy did awesome. Thanks again, Andy, uh, for 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 joining us. Um, you know, through technical issues because that's we wouldn't have it any other way. That's clearly in canon in our timeline. Um, but without further ado, you know, if you are a listener and you do think that you have and want to chat with us about anything and everything, Phil, tell them how they can get a hold of us. Well, you can find us at our website, which is www.itscanonpodcast.com. Check it out. It's being redesigned. It's kind of hot. And uh, we're also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. You can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, Amazon, really anywhere you find podcasts, you're going to find the It's Canon Podcast show. So please subscribe to get notified about future episodes. And if you can, please leave a rate and a review for our show. It's greatly appreciated. And without listeners like you, we wouldn't have anything. So come on, enjoy yourselves. Come on out and tune in. That's right. Thank you so much, everyone. It's been a blast. We will not have a featured episode this week. We were able to fit everything into our news episode. So the next time that you can hear me, at least, is on Thursday for NXT Talk when I'm joined with Matt. Um, and again, I just want to remind everyone that that show for now is on the It's Canon podcast feed. But it might be moving to a more possibly, you know, bigger feed soon. Um but, you know, I do want to thank everyone who has been tuning in to the various shows. Uh, you know, it's been the, the response, honestly, has been awesome, has been fantastic to read. You know, we, it's, it's kind of funny. One thing that I always say about this show is that, you know, we don't do any prep for it. Um, but the reality is, is that we, like, without realizing it, put so many hours of prep in a week. And for that, I always, you know, I have to thank Phil and Tyler for, you know, doing what they do to be ready for this show. So thank you guys. Um, and it means a lot. It means a lot to have the listeners and the audience that we do. Uh, so, you know, thank you so much. And, you know, just a reminder, the 12 Days of Christmas is coming up. I can't believe I actually announced that because I regret even bringing that thought into my mind. But it's coming yeah. up in, in a few weeks. 
Um, and we have to finalize what we're actually going to be talking about. But Oh my god, we're in trouble. Yep, nothing but Doctor Who. Um, but without further ado, thank you so much, everyone. He's Tyler, he's Phil, I'm Boris. Good night. Good night.